Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you are with. We're so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. Before we jump into our teaching, if you haven't already discovered the version Bible app, I would encourage you. It's absolutely free. Uh, you can find just about any translation of the Bible that works for you. Search by all kinds of topics. And in the lower right-hand corner, if you'll open up events, look for Arlington FM, you will find a complete set of notes for today's message. And also, when you're in your favorite podcast player, you can search for Arlington FM Church and there find all of our teaching content. Well, uh, we are in a series called Let's Get It Started. And uh, you know, God who created the changing of the seasons is inviting you and I into a brand new season, a season that's full of uh, God doing new and fresh things in our lives. And uh, you know, God uh, used his prophet Isaiah to speak to a people who'd been through years of difficulty. They were beaten down, discouraged, uh, carted away from their uh, land of promise, uh, live, really living without a sense of a future and a hope. And if you can relate to that, well, you might appreciate uh, what God said through his prophet Isaiah. He said, uh, here's the message, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Even now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland, uh, Isaiah said. Well, uh, here are the signs, uh, according to Isaiah, of this new season that God is inviting us into. Uh, first of all, it's a God thing. It's not something that we have to muster up. It's just something that we open up to. And it's a new thing. It's a departure from the same old worries and anxieties and obstacles and setbacks. It's a, a new open door with new opportunities. Uh, Isaiah says it brings new direction. Uh, God proclaims, I'm making a way. And you could put in your wilderness. Uh, God is showing clear steps that we can take in this new season. And uh, finally, it comes with new provision. God says, I'm making streams. In the wasteland, I'm going to uh, open up to you exactly what you need to thrive in this current season of life. Well, yeah, each week in this series, as we've uh, looked at uh, entering into the new things that God wants to do in our lives, uh, we've asked some questions that kind of point us to what would hold us back, what would keep us from entering into those new seasons God has for us. In week one, uh, we asked this question, do you want to be well? You know, Jesus came upon a, a man who, uh, who had been stuck in his condition for 38 years. And uh, according to John's gospel, uh, the question that he asked him really is applicable to all of us. Do you want to move beyond where you're currently stuck? And uh, we saw that uh, really a readiness, a willingness to open up to God doing something new uh, is entirely, uh, it's on us, the ball's in our court and then last week, uh, we asked this question, what do you do with your garbage? Because the truth is, uh, we all have uh, messes in our lives. We all have areas of our lives where we're inconsistent, uh, where, according to John, uh, we have sin in our lives. And if we don't accept that truth, uh, we're really saying that God is uh, a liar, that God has misrepresented our condition and so uh, we need an effective way to deal with our garbage. And we saw, according to John's epistle, 
that if we'll just be honest, open up, confess uh, our sins to God and each other, that he will be faithful and just, and he'll rid us of those things that are holding us back. And uh, so uh, really it leads into today's question that highlights uh, another reality that will keep us from entering the new season that God's already started. And here's the question, why do you or we lie to ourselves? Why do we lie to ourselves? And maybe you're thinking, well, I don't lie to myself, at least not very often. Well, the truth of the matter is we all do. We all are prone uh, to fib to ourselves, to uh, paint a different picture of ourselves than what we really are. In fact, uh, people who study such things, uh, they've made this observation that for the most part, when women lie, uh, they lie to protect others, uh, to keep from hurting the feelings of others. When men lie, we lie mainly to impress others. And uh, I know that's a sad reality, guys. And I think we should just be honest and admit it. We're the weaker of the species. We're the weakest link. But the truth is, uh, all of us are prone to lie on occasions. And uh, we lie to, uh, really, for two big reasons. Uh, We lie to protect ourselves from shame or hurt or culpability. And uh, we lie to avoid responsibility. And uh, most of us think, well, uh, after the lie is told, it'll be easier to deal with this later on. And uh, here's something I've come to realize. Uh, I guess uh, we all have to at some point along the way. The prophet Jeremiah said this about our tendency uh, to lie to ourselves. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things. That's a pretty grand statement. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And you may say, well, that's kind of a pessimistic view of people. No, it's reality. Jeremiah had realized a lot of the pain and hurt that comes into our lives comes out of the condition of our hearts. And uh, here's, here's the reason that matters so much in this series where we're talking about entering into new things and new seasons with new direction and new provision from God is that lying to ourselves can keep us stuck. Uh, Lying about where we're really at with God and with people uh, is one of the major reasons we stay stuck in our circumstance. You know, uh, King David, uh, he kept a journal. Uh, He he processed a lot of the stuff that he went through in his relationship with God and how he lived that out. We call David's journal the Psalms. And uh, in one of the Psalms, Psalm 51, uh, David, has, he's trying to process through some really dumb decisions he made, some choices he made that not only uh, hurt him, uh, hurt the God that he served, or hurt many of the people who depended on him. And David was trying to work all this through. And in Psalm 51, he shares his thoughts with us. But he comes uh, to this understanding, this insight about his own behavior. And here's what he says. He says, God, you desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. You know, what David is saying is that uh, if you read the psalm, uh, he considered all kinds of religious responses, offering sacrifices, going to the temple, uh, doing all these uh, dutiful traditional things to try to make up 
for the error of his ways, but as he considered all that, uh, God brought him to this reality. Uh, the thing I want most from you is truth in your inward person, uh, honesty, that you would be open uh, to the revelation of truth about yourself. And God's almost seems to be saying, that's something I can work with. Everything else is just deferring the reality of what's going on in your life. God desires truth. And here's the reality. We can't move in to the new seasons that God has for us if we're not willing to be honest about where we're at uh, in our relationships, in our careers, uh, in our sense of purpose, in our own faith journey. And uh, when, when we lie to ourselves, uh, we tend to spend our whole lives uh, projecting an image, uh, protecting uh, that, that uh, exterior that picture that we painted of ourselves. And uh, that's so far removed from what God really has for us. Uh, he would say, why waste your time uh, protecting this false image when we can deal with reality and really get you someplace? And, uh, you know, John, the beloved disciple, he speaks to this idea about being honest before God and where we're really at. Uh, here's what he says uh, in his epistle, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. Now we know that we've come to know God if we keep his commands. And now he's beginning to spell out the reality of their situation. Whoever says, well, I know God, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. See, according to John, the beloved disciple, one of the worst forms of lying that we can entertain, take on as a practice, is lying to ourselves about our openness to God and our responsiveness to Jesus Christ. You know, that's really a big deal with John. Now, hear that again. Lying to ourselves about our openness to God and our responsiveness to Jesus Christ is a really big deal in our lives. Uh, this isn't a small white lie. Uh, this is a big black hole of a lie uh, because it, it stymies us when we say, well, I believe in God and I want to honor God with my life, but we don't do the simple things that God is asking us to pay attention to. You know, John is known as the beloved disciple, but before he had that name, he was known as one of the sons of thunder. So uh, John, uh, he had an intense side, and uh, though God's gotten a hold of that, John's not afraid uh, to get in our grill, to get in our face, and to confront us with some things that ultimately are meant to liberate us and bring us further into the good plan that God has for us. So John says, look, if we say we know God, but we're not doing what he asks us to do, we're lying, and the truth hasn't really found access into our hearts. He goes on, he says in uh, verse 3 and 4, but if anyone obeys his word, Love for God is truly made complete in them. See, uh, John is uh, he's, uh, identifying a journey now. Uh, when we respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ to follow him, get to know his father, when we walk in his commands, there's something progressive that happens. Uh, we begin to know more of God's love for us. And John is saying that the only way for that process to continue 
is by responding to what he is asking us to do. And when we do that, we grow in our experience of God's love. John says, love for God is made complete. In other words, uh, God's love expressed towards people comes full circle. It stirs something in us, awakens something in us that makes us want to respond to the love of God with our own love. In fact, John will write later in his letter, we love because God first loved us. And the way that John says we step into that is by responding to the commands of God. Uh, we step into this liberated life uh, where our life is no longer measured, uh, calculated in our response to God. Instead, it's a, it's a wholehearted, it's a liberated response to experiencing the love of God. And this is how John uh, further describes that life. He says, uh, this is how we know that we are in him, that whoever claims uh, to be alive in Jesus must live as Jesus did. Hear that again. John is saying, look, this is how we know that we're responding to the love that God has for us, that we're alive and living in our relationship with Christ. Uh, whoever claims to be alive in him must live as Jesus did. And uh, maybe your response to that is, well, okay, who can do that? You know, who in the world can live like Jesus did? And uh, here would be a good question to ask at this point. Uh, how did Jesus live? in this world uh, how did jesus live out his life in this world well you know you could read all four of the gospel accounts matthew mark luke and john get a pretty good portrait of the life of jesus but uh, in this series since we're sticking with the teachings of john the beloved disciple i would say just look at the gospel of john and you will get an amazingly complete picture of how jesus lived in this world, you know, in John's gospel, uh, he records things that uh, Jesus said about his relationship with his father. He said, I can do nothing of my own accord. I do only the works that I see my father doing. For the father loves the son and shows him what he's doing in the world. And so uh, Jesus proclaimed uh, that uh, his life in this world was living responsively to the love of God. And he lived that out in his behavior, in his actions. You know, uh, as John wrote his good news, uh, the Gospel of John, it's built around seven signs that revealed the nature of God through Jesus Christ. Hear that again. As John wrote his Gospel, uh, he built his truth, his presentation of Jesus Christ around seven signs or miracles that revealed the nature of God and the heart of Jesus Christ. Uh, you'll recall, he turned water into wine. And at the very least, uh, Jesus made life better for people. That's how he lived in the world. Uh, he healed a Roman official's son. He had compassion for people who were hurting, irregardless of their political or ideological persuasions. That's how Jesus lived in the world. He healed a paralytic by the pool. Uh, he helped people get unstuck and move on with their lives responding to God. He fed uh, 5,000 people with a few loaves and fish. You might just say, at the very least, Jesus cared about the physical needs of people who were living without. That's how Jesus lived in the world. Uh, Jesus walked on water. Uh, he showed up 
in the storms of life, and uh, that's how Jesus lived in the world. Uh, he healed a man who was born blind. Uh, he helps us see our way forward when life is dark and threatening. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, he awakened hope where there was only despair. Uh, you know, that's, those are glimpses. Those are insights into how Jesus lived in this world. Uh, I love this quote. One man who spent his entire life studying, researching the Gospel of John. He became an expert at the message that God was creating about Jesus through the Gospel of John account. Here's what he said, one of his summary observations. The most notice, noticeable thing about Jesus is that he lived his entire life for others. Hear those words again. How did Jesus live in the world? Well, according to this expert who devoted his life to studying, answering that question, he said the most noticeable thing about Jesus is that he lived his entire life for others. In fact, as you come to the end of John's uh, account of the miracles of Jesus, he summarizes in John chapter 12 uh, these words from Christ. He says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And so uh, Jesus, in uh, his journey uh, through life, lived him, his entire life entirely for the benefit of bringing the love and the hope of God to others. And uh, John's message to us now is, uh, look, uh, let's quit lying to ourselves. If we say we know God, and if we say we abide in Jesus, well, this is what it will look like. We'll keep his command. We'll obey his word. And that we'll live in the world the way Jesus did for the benefit of others. So, you know, John goes on. Uh, he says, look, this is not a new teaching. This is not some edgy kind of interpretation of what God is all about. He says, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one which you have had from the very beginning. Uh, what's John saying? That God has always revealed himself as a creator who loves his creation. And uh, the one response he's primarily looking for from people who have faith in him is that they would love people the way that God does. Uh, John is saying this is an old command. It's the message that you have heard. But uh, even while it's an old command that's been around forever, he says this, yet I'm writing you a new command. It's truth is seen in him, in Jesus Christ, and its truth is seen in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. And here's what John is saying. This old command that the people of God could never keep in the Old Testament, it's now possible. It's possible to love our neighbors as ourselves because Jesus did it. He's the pioneer. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith, and he showed that life could be lived honoring God by loving people. Uh, hear that again. Uh, Jesus paved the way. He broke the threshold. He swung the door wide open to a new way of living, that the dog-eat-dog -dog approach to life. Uh, you hurt me. I hate you. You offend me. I write you off. We don't have to live that way anymore because Jesus proved that life can be lived sacrificially. And that kind of life honors God. 
changes the world and fills our own heart with immeasurable joy. Uh, John goes on. He says, look, uh, anyone who claims uh, to be in the light but hates a brother or a sister, uh, folks, you're still in the dark. Uh, anyone who claims uh, to be walking in the truth about God, yet we harbor resentment, ill will, we take up offenses, we carry grudges. John's saying, look, you're still in the darkness if that's what's going on in your heart. Uh, on the other hand, anyone who loves their brother, sister, lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. Uh, they'll be prepped and ready. They're ready to perceive and to walk in the new seasons that God opens up because there's nothing in their hearts that they're tripping over. They're not caring. They're letting go. They're forgiving. They're experiencing the truth that love indeed covers a multitude of sins. And then uh, John's final thoughts on this truth. But anyone who hates a brother or a sister is in the darkness, walks around in the darkness. They don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. Uh, you know, early this morning, uh, when it was still quite dark, uh, I grabbed a cup of hot coffee, glass of cold water, made my way upstairs. And when I got upstairs, I, I bumped into a door jam. And uh, as I stood there, motionless, waiting for the tsunami of liquids to stop from my hot coffee cup and my cold glass of water, uh, I was reminded uh, stumbling around in the dark is never a good thing. Uh, stumbling around in the dark is never a good thing. And John uh, is, uh, as I said, in our face, in our grill, saying, look, folks, uh, stop lying to yourself about your response to God and your love for Jesus Christ uh, and start uh, living in the wonderful truth that he's opened up to us uh, that if we really do uh, believe in God, if our hope really is in Jesus Christ, if we really do want to walk in the light, we will live in the world the way that Jesus did and we'll live a life of love and experience uh, God's plan and purpose for us. Uh, would you uh, pray with me? Uh, Father, we want to thank you for the truth of your word. Jesus, thank you that John recorded your words. You said if we really open up to you, we'll know the truth, and the truth will liberate us. The truth will set us free. And uh, Lord, I pray that that, that spirit of self-protection, that spirit that wants to make ourselves appear better than we are, more responsive to God than we really are, that we measure that against the standard of your word. And this is how we know that we're in you, that we keep your commands, we obey your word, this new commandment you gave, Lord, to love others the way that you have loved us. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, in these coming days, uh, you would uh, create in our inner person that place where you desire truth in the inward being, that we would become courageous, open, uh, available, accessible, Lord, to your truth to penetrate uh, to bring to light those impurities that are holding us back, keeping us hemmed in. You would liberate us, Lord, and set us free to walk in this new season that you've already started working in our lives and circumstance. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.